I'm Erica. And I'm Nicole. And this is Cheers from the Grave. Huzzah! Episode 14. 14? 14. Okay. Yes. Uh, Stephanie is not here today because she is going on vacation and she's been getting ready for that and stuff, right? She's, when is she leaving for vacation? Like October? <laughs> I thought she was going somewhere this weekend or this week. She I don't just, know. She just doesn't want to hang out with us. That's fine. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> all right. No, keep it all in. Okay, keep it all in. Oh, God. So, how have you been this week? Pretty good. Yeah? Anything exciting, new, fun? Not really, no. Just same old, same old at my job. That's yeah. Good. How about you? Well, it's work yep. and here, and I've been binging Lucifer, and I finally finished that recently. I've been binging sleep. Sleep? What's that? My natural sleep cycle. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was like some like no my natural sleep cycle. I'm tired. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, I've been binging uh, Lucifer on Netflix. Okay, and it's been it's awesome. Oh, I have been binging the botched surgery shows with my parents. Oh god, they really like those for some reason. It's weird, but it's like a train wreck, isn't it? You yeah. just can't look away. We had a family bonding this past weekend. It was really funny. Oh my god, <laughs> like six hours straight. <laughs> Oh, man. So why don't we just dive into it? Uh, do you want to go first or you don't want me to go first today? I can go first. Yeah, go ahead. All right, everyone. As you know, the cryptid corner over here. <laughs> Nicole's cryptic corners. So around the world, millions of children are terrified each year by the idea of... The boogeyman? Yes, the boogeyman. Yes! My best friend, the boogeyman. <laughs> He's your best friend. Every, Let all the me tell you that, a best yes. friend. I love him so much. I call myself the boogeyman when I scare my family. Oh my gosh. So that's my nickname at home. But what is the boogeyman? So we know the boogeyman as a mythical monster whose impact can be traced around the world. One of the first references to this legendary creature was found in the 1500s. So it is expected that the boogeyman has existed much longer than this. Hmm. So we know parents just use them as a way to scare their children into behaving. Yeah. So that seems to be the common theme everywhere. But, yep, it is thought that the boogeyman was originally a reference for mischievous creatures called hobgoblins. Throughout much of Europe, hobgoblins are actually quite friendly or limited to lighthearted pranks. But there are tales of hobgoblins who are much more vile in nature. Really? Yes. These creatures were set to torment humans, sometimes to the point of frightening a person to death. Yo, that's terrifying. Can you imagine? Just, ah, and you dead. <laughs> 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 Regardless of how the boogeyman came to be, he exists as one of the most well-known and feared creatures of all time. There are hundreds of names for the boogeyman around the world, each with their own interesting twist because of the boogeyman... Because the boogeyman has such a large global impact, it is difficult to determine which country told the first tales of the monster. One thing is for certain, the boogeyman loves to lurk in the shadows of the night and its main victim. Victims are disobedient children who don't listen to their parents. Yo. So me. <laughs> Alrighty. So physical descriptions of the boogeyman vary from country to country, though there are a few similarities the majority of the boogeymen are some sort of spirit or entity that terrorize the naughty children. They could strike for a number of reasons, ranging from anger towards the children who leave things dirty to hunger for children who stayed up past their bedtime. Yo, Emma. <laughs> He's coming. He's coming. 
Many boogeymen are said to have long nails or claws that they use to scratch against window panes in the middle of the night. There are also tales of boogeymen who have terrifying eyes that haunt children who venture outside after dark. Some boogeymen are said to have horns or look very animal-like, while others are told to be evil humanoids or witches. So none of them look like the boogeyman from Nightmare Before Christmas? No, I love him. <laughs> no, Oogie Boogie's his own. Oogie Boogie, his own little thing. He's his own little thing. Aww. No sacks of insects here. Well, that's good because that's gross. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Don't Look Under the Bed, that Disney Channel original movie? No, I haven't. Okay, we'll get into that a little bit later. Oh my God. Okay. Yes. All right. So other boogeymen have no appearance, are said to have no figure or the ability to shape shift. They can appear as the tree limbs scratching against your window or simply present themselves as a terrifying shadow lurking underneath the bed. So it's just an entity. It's a being that's just <laughs> haunting all these children who misbehave. That's and that's crazy. my favorite kind of cryptid. <laughs> <laughs> because it terrorizes children? Yes. <laughs> all righty. So a little bit into the boogeyman's personality. The boogeyman, while mysterious, is the best is best understood through its motivations. The boogeyman is primarily fixated on children, though there are myths in some countries that uh, that suggest the boogeyman will seek out anyone who is guilty of wrongdoing. Regardless of what age group a particular boogeyman goes after, it seems to be a common theme that the boogeyman will not attack those who are considered to be good. Hmm. So not me. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Emma. Is she good? She's been good today. She's been good. She yeah, Emma's a good, she's a good kid. She good yeah, she's a good kid. There are many variations on why the boogeyman preys on its victims. Most versions of the boogeyman will come after children if they've been naughty and disobeyed their parents in some way. These boogeymen have a wide range of punishments that they choose from. Some boogeymen will only give children terrifying reminders like scratching on the window panes at night, appearing as shadows that lurk in their bedroom, or chasing them when they wandered away from their homes. What the hell? Can you imagine just going outside one day and you're just being chased yo, by a boogeyman? <laughs> like, oh my, yo, oh my God, little Johnny's out of his bed. I'm going to start coming. <laughs> coming. Other boogeymen are more sinister, making it even more important for children to mind their parents' instructions. These boogeymen have a taste for naughty children and will often sneak into their rooms to carry them away into the night. These children are often never found and are said to be eaten by the boogeyman. That's great. That's a little bit extreme. That's like crazy extreme. Behave. (laughs) (laughs) Behave or else you're going to get carried away and eaten. Jesus. There is also a strange category of boogeymen who do not come after children simply for being naughty. These boogeymen often serve as a strange sort of protector, even though they tend to have terrifying appearances. There are also boogeymen who don't discriminate with the age of their target. They simply attack the guilty. Huh. So there's a few boogeymen from around the world. We have the Weiwei Gombel in the Semarang area of central Java. So that's what they call them there. We have El Coco, which is in more of the Hispanic cultures. Some of them also know him as El Cucuy. Okay. And that's one of my favorite names to call him, El Cucuy. (laughs) We have Babaroga. And it's the Croatian boogeyman. Then we have the Tata Duende, which Duende is another word for gnome or goblin. Okay. And this one comes from other areas in Latin America, most prominently in the Mayan and Mestizo folklore. Then we have the Namahag, which is the Japanese demon who preys on the children. Oh, Jesus. 
and then the Luomo Nero, typically portrayed as a man dressed in black, and this one's more in the Eastern Mediterranean area. And we have the Night Hag, which is just simply another North American name they call them. We have the Jumbi, which is in Caribbean folklore. Okay. So that's pretty much it on the Boogeyman, but when I was asking you about Don't Look Under the Bed, yeah. it's a nice old Disney Channel original movie. I think late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. So get this. Their lore for the Boogeyman, the story, spoiler alerts for anyone who hasn't seen it. <laughs> we all should have. You haven't, right? I haven't, but I don't mind being spoiled. It's okay. okay. Cool. That's right. All right. So this girl, Frances, she was... Going into high school, living her best life, and then all of a sudden she's being terrorized by this boogeyman creature. Huh. Her brother has an imaginary friend, and that imaginary friend is visible to Francis. And she was t- and he was telling her that, oh, you're after like this boogeyman is after you, something's going on. So to make a long story short, the boogeyman used to be Francis's old imaginary friend. And when the kids stop believing in the in the imaginary friends, those imaginary friends start getting the long nails, the long teeth. So basically started getting like angry that they're being forgotten. And they turn into boogeymen. And they, specifically oh. for those kids. And Frances was going into high school and she's like, I'm too old for this. Oh my gosh. So that that's, actually kind of makes sense though. Right. If you think about it. So if you or your children have any imaginary friends, don't stop believing in them because they might turn into boogeymen and chase after you. That's terrifying. And they're specific to you. Oh, that's terrifying. Yes. But I love the boogeyman. Uh, fun little story here. I think it might just be a ghost, but uh-huh. I'd like to think it's a boogeyman. Oh, my gosh. When I first moved to Florida, uh-huh. every single night, no matter what time I went to bed, the second my head hit the pillow, I would hear, like, a scratching noise inside of my closet. No. And then, like, a little marble dropping noise. And that's, like, I don't know. It was very specific. But the scratching Every night, no matter what time I went to bed, it could be like 8 p.m. or 3 a.m. The second my head hit that pillow, like, good night, we're out, you would hear it in the closet. That's messed up. Yes. Did you ever go look to see what it could be? Or were you I just never, too terrified? I or? mean, at night, no, never. But, like, <laughs> during the day, I don't know. But one time I did have, not an EMF, but some kind of, like, a ghost tracker. Yeah. I went in all of my house, nothing. I put it in my closet. It went crazy. Oh, my gosh. So I haven't heard it in the past few years, but. So is it still in the house that you are living in now? Like I think so. I think so. Yeah, I'm okay. still in the same house. Okay. So we'll see. I'll probably hear it again tonight. Oh my gosh. I'll let you guys know. Yes, please. But, that, oh no, go ahead. But that's it for the boogeyman on my end. That almost reminds me, not not really boogeyman, but like the scratching noise. Um, one of the older houses that I used to live in, um, I had a roommate and whenever it was the craziest thing. She once sent me a text message saying like something scratching at the bathroom door. Like whenever what? she, whenever she or her, or my other roommate would go in there, they would close the door and they just hear this like light nails on the door. And they actually like, and she actually recorded it and sent me the video and she's like, what the fuck is this? And it wasn't even, a, it's not, it wasn't any of the cats. I was about to say, was anything. it just a cat? No, 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 no. It was definitely like some like intentionally like, putting like clipping your nails like like just tapping the nails across and no one else was home i don't like that <laughs> i'm used to mine i know mine mine's friendly is it mine hasn't tried to hurt me well that's good yeah normally what i do like i know there's at least maybe two entities in my house 
And I always say whenever I feel the presence a little mm-hmm. bit more heightened one night or anything, mostly when I'm home alone, I just say, do whatever you want. Don't let me see you. <laughs> do whatever you want. Like they can knock down posters, lamps. I don't care what they do. As long as I don't see their physical being, I'm good. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Because then that, that becomes way too real for me. Yeah. 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 There, it's kind of like... Um, I mentioned this in a previous episode when I was home in Connecticut, mm-hmm. there was a incident, um, that I had with my mom's Harry Potter wand where it was like mm-hmm. placed on the floor. Like, at, like no one was home at the time. Mm-hmm. And when we came back from visiting my dad in the hospital, it was me, Kyle and my sister and my daughter. And I saw it on the ground and I was just like, I knew that it was, the spirit that always had been living in that house because mm-hmm. that's the house that I grew up in. And I basically just said, flat out said, nope. Like, literally yelled in the house, nope, not today. Not, not, no. No, 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 no. And it stopped. So. Wow. So. But anyway. Um, I have a little fun story that happened a few weeks ago to me. Ooh. Whenever my parents go on vacation, mm-hmm. I'm in charge of taking care of the dog. Okay. And the dog is more, she likes my mom more. Okay. But I'll put her in my room, whatever. It's 3.30 a.m., right? Oh, no. And I'm like, okay, normally I like, <clears throat> excuse me, normally I like to be asleep before 3.33. Yeah. I'm like, too late now. Because uh. some, oh, something always happens to me. So, dog's chilling on my bed, home alone. Doors are all locked, even to my bedroom, which I don't do unless I'm home alone. Yeah. But... 3.33 hits, dog was perfectly calm. The second that time hit, she got stiff, stared at my door, and started growling. No, thank you. Out of nowhere. And I'll show you a picture. I have a picture of it. Terrifying. And I'm like, it's 3.33 a.m. My dog just got the spooks out of nowhere, and I'm shit in my pants. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm just, like, waiting to hear something outside of my door. And I'm like, this is it. This is where I die. <laughs> this is how I die. I, I started, like, put, like going through all that in my head I'm like is this it am I gonna see it is it just gonna come through the wall is it gonna knock on the door what is it oh my gosh and then 334 hit she calmed down where's the picture let me see the picture let me see if I can find it it's and if I find it I'll send it to you so we can put it on the page yeah I was just gonna say everyone can see it was on snapchat let me see here there we go Oh, she was. Puppy. Thanks. That's Jessie. Oh, she was at attention. We think she's a poodle mixed with a Maltese. Yeah. But she also has like a mini greyhound body. Like her oh. legs. Like she has like that, the really long legs. And like the belly is like out and then it goes all the way in and then okay. back out to her long legs. Huh. But yeah. That's adorable. She's cute. But yep, she was just like that at attention. That's creepy. Terrifying. No, thank you. So you want to hear what I got? Yes, please. So I decided to take a trip. Like, not really, because I wish I could. Uh, One day. One day, because I would love to go here. Um, I decided to do a story across the pond in Ireland. Oh, I want to go so bad. Oh, my gosh. I am Irish. Lucky. Um, Yeah, well, mostly Irish. My uh, great-grandparents came here from Ireland, so... Um, so I wanted to do, I wanted to do something called, uh, the Leap Castle. Um, 
Is this a more popular one maybe I've heard of? Mm, I don't know. Hold on. Nope, just kidding. The only one I know of is where you hang upside down and you kiss the wall. I don't remember where that. No, but I think that's a different one. Yeah, I think it is. So Leap Castle is in Colderry County, Offlay in Ireland. It's about six kilometers north of the town of Roscrea, uh, R-O-S-C-R-E-A, and about uh, 10 kilometers south of uh, Kennedy. Mm. So the castle is thought to be built in the 1500s by the O'Bannon clan. Uh, they were secondary chieftains under the ruling of the, o of the o o O'Carroll clan. Uh, the building is set to be built on a previous castle, and before that, the site was used by druids for initiation ceremonies. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was like, threw huh. me for a loop on that one. <laughs> right? Uh, local folklore tells the tale of two of the O'Bannon brothers uh, who were contesting to be the chieftain of their own clan. Um, it was originally named Liam Uwi, uh, but I, I'm, you know what, for someone who's Irish, I can't do this. No, those are hard. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do Celtic with a damn. Um, it was originally called Liam Ui, I think Ui, and then ba Banane, B-A, no, excuse me, B-H-A-N-A-I-N, um, which means Leap of the O'Bannons. Okay, so I got Liam Ubanan, that, that makes sense. Um, so to show the, to, <laughs> here's the fun thing with the O'Bannon brothers, um, to kind of fight and figure out who's going to own the castle and to show their loyalty and win rulership. Uh, the only way to settle that was with an argument that showed their strength and bravery. So the two of them jumped from a rocky outcrop where the castle was to be built and the survivor won while the loser fell to a bloody death. And that is when the castle was then, you know, so basically the castle started out on like the bed of blood and death and all that violence and stuff. I am the huge, the huge. <laughs> and the thing is, is that I was reading this and they're like, yeah, they jumped off the cliff and one died. I'm like, but how did they both not die? So there was, I was trying to research that, but I couldn't figure out who the actual winner was. Uh, was. But anyway, uh, so for years, the castle saw nothing but death and bloodshed. It used, it was used as a principal stronghold for the Carroll clan and guard the pass-through of the Sleeve Blue Mountains. So here's a, bit, a little bit of history on the families and kind of the shit that they did. So first there were the O'Carrolls. Within 100 years, the O'Bannons relinquished their home to their more powerful neighbors, the O'Carrolls, who were a violent, deviant, and vengeful clan who ruled in terror. In 1532, the clan leader Mulrooney O'Carroll died. Um, so again, this is going back to the Battle of the Death. So apparently, like as I said, whenever it came to who would rule the castle, it was decided by Battle of the Death. Uh, Mulrooney's sons, Thaddeus and Tay, began an almighty battle for control of not only the castle, but the clan as well. So one evening, uh, Thaddeus, a priest, was conducting mass in the chapel. Tay busted in in the middle of the service, accusing Thaddeus of insulting him by starting mass prior to his arrival. Because this angered him so much, <laughs> stabbed his brother's chest and left his, buddy, left his body sprawled across the blood-soaked altar. <laughs> so, so he started church without his brother, and he his brother church, got mad. Yeah. I love that. He started church without his brother, and his brother got mad, and so his brother stabbed him in the chest. I can't. 
Wow. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Uh, murder. So, <clears throat> so murder to this family was a favorite pastime, like gardening or fishing. Uh, this family would do anything to keep their grip on the land that they controlled. Uh, the murderous tribe often employed other clans as mercenaries to support them in battle. However, the O'Carrolls usually managed to avoid paying these services. Or excuse me, avoid paying for these services. 39 members of the O'Neill family once refused their services to help the O'Carroll clan, and due to this, the O'Carrolls slit their throats. Oh. A family by the name of McMullen once helped defeat the Earl of Tyrone in battle, and... As a thank you, Charles O'Carroll, the last chieftain to occupy the castle, rewarded them by poisoning their drinks and disposing their bodies within the castle walls. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot. So it's like, hey, thanks for fighting for us. We're going to go ahead and poison your drinks and shove your bodies in the walls of our castle. <laughs> I, think, I think I've heard of this before. That sounds familiar. So I mean, that, that's, that happens a lot, though. <laughs> more than you think. Yeah, especially in Ireland. Right? Uh, the next family up was the Darbys. In 1649, Lee Castle was handed over to the first of the Darby line, uh, Dar Darby line, Jonathan. He was a soldier of the Cromwellian forces and was handed the property in lieu of pay during his services in the English Civil War. The castle only stayed in the Darby family for a short time before it was handed back to John O'Carroll in 1664 due to continued due to continued loyalty to Charles I. About three years later, due to the differing views of Charles II, Leap Castle was then back in the hands of the Darbys in 1667. Uh, then Jonathan and his wife, Deborah, um, who was the daughter of, uh, daughter of Charles O'Carroll, made the castle their home and gave birth to their first child, Jonathan II. Now, Jonathan II was known as a wild captain, and he buried his fortune of treasure somewhere on the grounds of the castle prior to murdering Two servants who helped him bury that treasure. He was then imprisoned in Dublin Gaul for treason. He survived execution by a pardon that was later given to him. And then he returned to Leap Castle to search for his treasure, but incarceration messed up with his memory and he couldn't locate it. And ironically, he murdered the only men who knew where the treasure was buried. <laughs> so there, apparently there's still treasure hidden somewhere on the grounds. I believe it. Of this castle. So let's fast forward a bit mm -hmm. to the early morning of Sunday, July 30th of 1922. A party of about 11 raiders set, up, uh, set fire to Leap, totally destroying the north and larger wing of its most valuable contents. It was said that Richard Dawkins, who was the groundskeeper who is currently living there with his wife and his child, heard a knock on the door at around 2.20 a.m. He opened the window and looked outside and found men standing at the door asking for night's lodging and ordered him to open the door. He did as he was requested and then was held at gunpoint. The intruder said that they wanted to burn the place down, but Richard had requested to retrieve his daughter and wife first, which he was allowed to do so. The castle did sustain serious damage. However, over time, it was rebuilt and restored. So in the 1980s, descendant of the O'Bannon clan purchased the castle and began extensive renovations, which was plagued by bad luck and setbacks. Because of all this, a white witch was asked to cleanse the castle. However, she was unable to do so. The witch suggested that the phantoms wished no harm and was not prepared to leave the castle. Today, the castle is owned by musician Sean Ryan, who lives peacefully alongside the ghostly roommates. So, 
After the history, now let's talk about the ghosts. Please. <laughs> that was a lot. Right? There's a lot to unpack there. So, <clears throat> one of the owners, Mildred Darby, heard noises like furniture being moved frequently at night. She also had guests over who would ask why servants would turn out the rooms under them in the middle of the night. The front door would ring from time to time and no one would be there. Sean Ryan, who, again, is the current owner, uh, would hear chanting coming from outside the castle and had heard his name being called. During renovations, which has been known to cause massive spikes in paranormal activity, experienced poltergeist activity during the restoration effects. Now, Sean Ryan noted that his tools had been moved to the far corners of the room when his back was turned. A carpenter left suddenly and never returned without giving any reason as to why. Sean, who uh, once was working on a ladder, when it was suddenly pushed away from him, forcing him to jump and fracture his knee. Now, going back to that white witch. Okay. Saying, hey, they're just here to be peaceful and everything. No. And do no harm. Yo, this ghost freaking knocked out a ladder from this guy, <laughs> causing him to fracture his knee. Okay, but tell me if I heard incorrectly. The ghost would turn down the beds with people on them? No, this is, no, actually they would hear the ghosts on, like in the rooms below them. I guess. Oh, okay. Because I'm just like, can you imagine sleeping and then some weird old looking maid or butler is just taking your sheets out from under you and putting in new ones? I'd be like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So going back to that. Um, so again, yeah, he fractured his knee. And then when Sean recovered and began restoration again, he had another accident, which resulted in a broken ankle. So there are certain rooms that are notable, and uh, one of them is called the Bloody Chapel, and that is where the two brothers got into a fight because, you know, one started mass without the other. It's the home of many spirits that reside within the castle. People passing the castle at night have reported bright lights streaming out of the upper windows. Even in 1922, after the burning of the castle was basically a shell, this event was reported by witnesses. The Rhines will get phone calls from neighbors to let them know about the illuminations. Strange smells of rubber have been reported. Uh, the priest who was murdered by his brother for starting mass too early, he has been seen on many occasions in the bloody chapel. His spirit has been seen lurking on the stairway below and also leaving the chapel via the western door to the bartizan and down the northern stairs. Also within the chapel, there's something called the, the obulate, O-U-B-L-I-E-T-T. Oblate? Oblate? Yeah, Oblate? I believe you. <laughs> sure. Inside the Bloody Chapel, it's thought that there, it's thought that the original use was to store valuables and also place, uh, also a place to hide in the event of a siege. However, it was used for more sinister means. It was modified to serve as a small dungeon where prisoners were thrown in, either dead or dying. So remember when O'Carroll rewarded his mercenaries for fighting with him for, you know, poison? Mm-hmm. Their bodies are buried within those walls in that room. During renovations, the contents within the room were cleaned out and uh, removed. It's said that three cartloads of skeletons were removed from that room. Three cartloads of skeletons were removed. Oof. That's a lot. <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of dead bodies. How big were the carts? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably very big. <laughs> um... 
Because of the gruesome discovery, an emotional shock, an emotional shock wave was sent through the castle, and many spirits, including the elemental, were woken up from their dormancy. There is a spirit of a man who seems to live within that area. He leaves, he leaves the bloody chapel on occasion and wanders down to the lower levels of the castle, possibly the brother who is slain. There's a priest house. Uh, since the burning, the priest house is still an empty shell. Shadowy forms are seen wandering through the middle of the building. Prior to the burning, spirits have been known to lay on people's beds and snore, and they'd feel weight pressed up against them. Uh, a burly man in rough clothes always pushed a heavy barrel up the back stairs of the wing near the servants' bedrooms, and when just at the top, the barrel would roll down and then disappear. A monk could also be seen walking in one window and out the other. Uh, there's another ghost there called the Red Lady. She's described as a tall woman wearing a red dress while carrying a dagger in her hand and raising it in a menacing manner. I, I, again, I don't think this white witch knew what she was talking about. Some of these ghosts, like, I'm just like, yo, what the, nah. What if she wasn't a white witch? Dun, dun, dun. Right? <laughs> Maybe. Um, a strange luminescence can be seen radiating within her. People who have encountered the Red Lady have reported feeling an immense cold filling the room and permeating into their, uh, into their heart. Now, just an FYI, the next thing that I'm going to say, guys, is going to be a trigger warning. Um, the trigger warning has rape, suicide, and child death. So just FYI, you might want to skip the next 15 seconds if you don't want to hear about this. So it's believed that the Red Woman was captured by the O'Carroll family and sadly raped. Baby born, as a result, was killed by O'Carroll, reasoning that they couldn't afford to feed the child. The woman became so distraught that she killed herself with the same blade that she is seen holding. So that is how they seem to think that she's, and why she still resides there. Yeah, that'll do it. Yep. Wow. Um, there's an article submitted to the Occult Review, which reads the following. So this is a quote. On the 31st of October, I went to my bedroom at about 11 p.m. During the night, the time was 12.45, as I subsequently saw by my watch, I felt that I was awakened by somebody in my room. It was pitch dark, and at first I could see nothing. It was I was wide awake with an extraordinary cold feeling at my heart that rapidly increased with intensity. Almost immediately, I felt as much as I felt as much as saw that there was a tall figure in the middle of the room. My first impression was that O'Connell himself was there, as no other member of the household would be, would correspond to the height. Excuse me. What is it? I asked. There was no answer. But now I could see, dimly at first, and with increasing distinctness, that the tall figure was clothed from head to foot in red, and with its right hand raised menacingly in the air. To my utter astonishment, I could see that the light which illuminated the figure was from within, having very much the effect of the dark lantern used in the photographer's room. As the figure advanced toward me, the light increased, and I could see distantly that the form was that of a very tall woman holding some sort of weapon, knife or dagger in her hand. What is it? I asked again. Who is it? Then hurriedly struck a match and lit my candle. As the flame of the match and the candle illuminated the room, I looked around and the room was empty. Uh, Milda Darby, who she was uh, the owner for the castle for a while, and she was um, she was the one that kind of started the whole, I don't want to say started, but kind of started validating the fact that there were spirits mm -hmm. living in that castle. Um, she also makes a mention of a spirit in her article, uh, Kilman Castle, the House of Horror. 
She says that there is a dark woman in a historic scarlet silk dress that rest, that's restless. She haunts the blue room, which always used to be the nursery and sobs at the foot of children's beds. Mm. There's also uh, the ghost of two young girls named Emily and Charlotte. They're mostly seen playing in the main hall and running up the stairwell. It's believed they have lived in the castle around 1600s. Emily died at age 11 after falling from the castle's southeastern battlements. Uh, so people have reported seeing a, a girl falling from the castle before hitting the ground. Charlotte has been seen with a deformed leg that drags backwards behind her. Uh, Mildred Darby also says, end quote, uh, another night I was sleeping with my little girl. I awoke and saw a girl with long, fair hair standing at the fireplace, one hand at her side and the other on the chimney piece. Thinking at first it was my little girl, I felt on the pillow to see if she were gone, but she was fast asleep. There was no fire or lit or light of any kind in the room. Let's see. Uh, there's another one um, called The Murdered Woman. During the Darby residency, Mildred has seen a woman believed to have been murdered by the O'Carroll. Mildred describes as a woman with very few clothes and red cloth over her face. She screams loudly twice and then disappears. Sean Ryan, again, the current owner, has reported hearing, to, uh, hearing a woman screaming. There's also uh, one other thing, the governess and the old man. Uh, the governess, also known as the nanny, is frequently seen in the main hall and often seen with Emily and Charlotte. Guests have reported being touched and having someone brush past them. A guest of Sean Ryan was actually having lunch at Lee Castle with both when both him and another female guest sitting near the fire saw a prude lady in Victorian attire in the main hall. An old man has also been seen a number of times sitting peacefully by the fire in the main hall. And as described by Mildred Darby, there's a little old man with a green cutaway coat, knee breeches, and a bright shoe buckle holding a letter, uh, holding a letter bag in his hand, sometimes seen with a little old lady with skinny hands, long black mitts, old-fashioned dress, and a big headdress. Both are sometimes seen with an old man dressed like a priest with an intensely cunning grin face. Excuse me. The green man, the green old man tries to stop people. That's all I have. And that's it. That's the story of Leap Castle. That's a lot. In Ireland. Let's go. Yeah, I want to go there. Um, it's not open really to actual visitors, but mm -hmm. I heard um, that every once in a while, like um, Steve Ryan or who, or not Steve Ryan, uh, what was his name? Was it Steve Ryan? Why did the name like all of a sudden like escape me? Sean Ryan. Um, he'll sometimes, you know, open it up for visitors who want to like take a tour and stuff like that. Mm. So, but yeah. It's pretty crazy, but it's a pretty cool castle. This is, a, this is a picture of it. Oh, that's actually really pretty. Right? That's not what I pictured in my head. Yeah. So one day, one day. It's I very like small yeah. for, as far as castles go. It's well, very a lot of small. castles do tend to be not as large as you want. <laughs> I got them. <laughs> <laughs> I totally missed it. Yeah, it's like oh. as far as castles go. <laughs> oh my god, Kyle's sleeping. <laughs> we bored him to death. I hope we didn't bore you guys to death. <laughs> I hope you liked my joke that woke him up. 
So yeah. So that's that. There's another episode down. Huzzah. Yay. Yay. Um, again, thanks so much for tuning in with us. We appreciate it. Oh, I wanted to tell you actually. So side note, I was leaving work Friday. Mm -hmm. I, I forgot what day it was today. So I was leaving work on Friday. And as I was going through the team member parking of Universal, um, I was flagged down by a couple team members. Mm -hmm. And so I rolled out my window and they're like, hey, do you by any chance have jumper cables? I'm like, yeah, I have jumper cables. So I helped them jump their car. And then afterwards they were like, hey, we'll totally get you like recognition, like applause something or what, or something or other. And I was just like, no, that's, that's fine. And I was like, and they kind of looked like a couple of nerdy people, you know, that one of us type of things. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, do you like podcasts? Ooh. And they're like, yeah. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I love podcasts. And I was like, do you like supernatural things and spooky things and cryptids and everything? And he and his girlfriend um, were like, yeah, we totally do. I'm like, well, here. And I gave him our business card. I'm dead. <laughs> and I was like, you should totally listen to us. So, yeah, we, uh, we got some new listeners. So, yay. Yay. Also, if you guys have anything you guys want to talk, want us to talk about or yes. research for you, please email cheersfromthegrave at gmail.com. Yes, please. Again, if you have any topics or anything like that, that'd be great. Also, if you have any personal stories mm -hmm. um, that you'd like to share with us, we'd be more than happy to read them for you on our listener episodes, which we're going to actually record in the next few minutes. Um, and that'll be next week. Mm -hmm. So... I'm excited. But yeah, um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Cheers from the Grave. You can find us on Twitter at Cheers from Grave. Uh, we have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Cheers from the Grave. And then we are working on the Tumblr and the Reddit. Yeah. So we'll get soon. that up going soon. Um, again, uh, when it comes to supporting us, uh, you can also go to Apple iTunes and rate and review us on Apple iTunes. That helps us on our business end when it comes to the charts and everything, keeps mm -hmm. us relevant and helps other people uh, notice us, um, which would be a very big help. If you do go ahead and rate and review us, uh, send us a screenshot of that and you'll be entered into a drawing for some merch. Uh, we got some stickers that are going to be on the way, magnets. Um, we can also uh, have a choosing of your of whatever you choose on our merchandise site we can get that going um so it'd be it'd be great any way to just please help us please please spread the word also word of mouth is awesome too so any way to support share us. us facebook page just share one of the posts yeah if there's anybody that you know that likes podcasts or spooky things send them our way mm -hmm. so yeah enough rambling <laughs> I think that's it, right? I think that's it. All right, cool. Well, I'm Erica. And I'm Nicole. And Stephanie will be with us in the next few weeks. We miss her. We miss her. We miss you, Stephanie. She'll be back. It's okay. She'll be back soon. Alrighty. Alrighty. And again, yeah, I'm Erica. And I'm Nicole. And this is Cheers, Cheers from, from the Grave. grave.